0: All right, you can be seated. Thank you. It's good to be here tonight. Good to be in the Lord's house. Good to see the Lord's house filled. I tell you, this is a big difference from last year when we was downstairs. We couldn't have got all of this crap downstairs. And uh, I mean, the auditorium's beautiful and, and the church has done such great work. And uh, I never would have thought it ever looked like this. I remember when I first came up here and Brother Randy was showing me things and I never could believe that. The auditorium could ever look like this, but uh, it's almost like we're in the first Baptist church, amen. We're uptown. We're uptown, folks, and I appreciate it. And I've enjoyed all the good singing. I tell you, you'll have to drive a long way and uh, go a long distance to hear any better singing than what you've heard tonight. And that's just a little foretaste of what you'll be hearing all week long. And uh, you can take off on your schedules and get in here and come off from work and get in. Uh, just get in on what you can get in on, and can it up because you'll need it. Uh, down the road. I'd like to see Dr. Bob Webb, the the Mennonite pastor. Uh, I'd like to see him after service, if it'd be possible. Uh, I'd like to somebody take care of that, help me to meet him after service. And then I want to appreciate all the hospitality that's been shown me since I got here. When we arrived yesterday, they they had us a nice big pizza supper, pizza blast, and, and salad, and then a big goodie bag. I tell you, I was up last night till midnight looking in that goodie bag, and uh, I, there's nothing to look at anymore. I mean, it's all it's all been put into the ministry, literally, put it into the ministry. I mean, it was full of good stuff, and I appreciate that, and uh, I appreciate, uh, just, just appreciate the staff, appreciate the willingness of uh, Sheriffon and, and Anchor Baptist Church and WGCR and all the people that make this possible. And uh, we trust that God will really do something for us. I want to read a couple of verses tonight. I want you to take your Bible. Turn with me to 1 Samuel, chapter number 6. 1 Samuel tonight, chapter number 6. And uh, I want to give you another verse while you're turning there. So you'll know that I'm preaching a scriptural message. Now I want you to turn to, to, excuse me, 1 Samuel. I said second. make it 1 Samuel, chapter number 6. 1 Samuel, chapter number 6. The Bible said, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That means all scripture, both Old Testament and New. Amen. And so I want you to understand, I'm going to try to preach you a scriptural message tonight uh, from out of the Old Testament. And uh, for no better sake, I don't know how to entitle this message tonight from First Samuel chapter 6. I don't know any better title or how to title it any better uh, than just to call it Milk Cow Religion. Milk Cow Religion. Now, some of you already is thinking, my Lord, we've come for nothing. And uh, he's, he's bumping the bottom of the barrel just to get up with Milk Cow Religion. But I believe tonight that you're going to see something that's here that I'll show you some things about the Christian life, and I'm not saying these milk cows are saved, but what they had, they've got more than what some Baptists, Now I don't know about the Nazarenes or the Mennonites, but I know these milk cows had something a lot of Baptists don't have, and so I want you to see this with me tonight, stay with me as we read from the Word of God, First Samuel chapter 6, look at verse number 1. The Bible said in the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. Now the ark of the Lord has been captured by the Philistines and they've had it in their country seven months. Drop down to verse number seven. The Bible said, now therefore make a new cart and take two milk kine. The word kine there is the word heifer or the word cow. It's what it means in the Hebrew, heifer or cow. Uh, take two milk kine. On which there had come no yoke, and tie the kind to the cart, and bring their calves home from them. And take the ark of the Lord, and lay it upon the cart, and put the jewels of gold, which ye return him for a trespass offering, in a coffer by the side thereof, and send it away that it may go. And see if it goeth up by the way of his own coast to Beth Shemesh, then he hath done us great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it was not his hand that smote us, it was a chance that happened to us. And the men did so, and took two milk kine, and tied them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. Look at verse 12. And the kine took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh, and went along the highway, lowing as they went, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. Now, I want to use that tonight with the help of God and, and to rehearse some things here and bring this message simply on milk cow religion. How many of you know what a milk cow is? I mean, let's just see. Okay, we're, getting, we're pretty good there. How many of you? Now, I'm going to tell you. Well, this is going to embarrass some folk. But how many of you have ever milked a cow? Oh, Janet, Pine, Now, you've milked a cow. Milk, Brother Horton, you ain't never milked a cow. Me neither. I mean... Some of you, I saw some lady. How many lady milked a cow, sister here? Several of you. For the month, did you raise your hand? No, you Jerry. Have you milked a cow? I'm telling you now. I'm just trying to find out if I'm preaching to people that understand this message or not. Now, as we look at this, I want us to focus in on the ark of the covenant of the Lord and how it's been captured by the Philistines. And the Philistines, you understand, are a picture of the world and all that the world has to offer. And the Ark of the Covenant is the most... Uh, it, it represents the presence of God Almighty to the nation of Israel. Now you say, Brother Buster, in chapter number 6, it said that it had been in the Philistine country in verse 1, 7 months. How did all of this come about? Well, I want us to back up, if, if you will, to chapter number 2, and we'll rehearse these real quickly and bring the message tonight that I feel like God's laid on my heart. I said Well ago, the Ark of the Covenant... It represented the Lord's presence to the nation of Israel. That Ark of the Covenant, it housed the golden pot of manna. Inside of it was Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant. On top of it, it housed, as it were, the mercy seat, which was on top, and the cherubims that came up and their wings touched, and this is where the blood was offered upon the mercy seat. And this is the place that God's Shekinah glory dwelt and met with the nation of Israel. Let me, while we're thinking about this, the most precious possession that the church has is the presence of God Almighty. The most precious possession the church has is the presence of God Almighty. And one of the most horrifying thoughts is losing the presence of God. Losing the presence of God or having God to write ink yeah, the glory of the Lord has departed upon a church or upon a nation or upon an individual's life. We desperately need the presence of God. Now, I appreciate all the good singing and I know these singers, most of them I know them personally, some I've known for years. Brother Betty and, excuse me, Sister Betty and Brother Jerry Monday. I've known them since they started all the way back. And some of these folk I've just met. But I promise you, if they really, really mean business, all of us, we need the presence of the Lord. And God is... Now, God did not judge the Philistines here for making this new cart to haul the Ark of the Presence, or the Ark of the Covenant of God. You remember in 2 Samuel, that's the reason I used that a while ago, chapter number 6. David, when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Israel, he made a new cart, and God judged him for doing that. He was using Philistine methods to carry the presence of God. But David knew better. And you see, God, through the Levitical order, uh, had certain men and certain people that were designated uh, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. But the Philistines had no idea about that. But you say, Brother Buster, you were talking about how that it wound up. How did it get into Philistine territory? The presence of God. Notice in chapter number 2, you'll find there's the corruption of the priesthood. As I was thinking about this, Uh, you remember that Eli is now the priest. And the book of 1 Samuel follows on the heels of the book of Judges. Now Ruth took place during the days of the Judges. But 1 Samuel, uh, you're still in that era of time when every man did that that was right in his own eyes because there was no king in Israel. And what you have here, uh, you have a corrupt priesthood. If you notice in chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible said, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. Can you imagine that? The sons of the priest, he was the priest, uh, and his sons were sons of Belial, uh, and they knew not the Lord. In verse number 17 of chapter 2, wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, uh, for the men, that is the men of Israel, uh, abhorred the offering of the Lord. They abhorred it. And even Hophani and Phinus, which are the two sons of Eli, they abhorred the offerings that the people of Israel were bringing to the Lord. Second Samuel 2 Samuel 2.22 Now Eli was very old and heard that all that his sons did unto all Israel. How they Now watch how wicked this is. and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now you're talking about immorality, friend. You're talking about sexual impurity. These two young men who were the sons of Eli laid with the women at the door of the tabernacle. There was corruption in the priesthood. Then if you'll notice in chapter number 3, there's the compromise of the preacher, if you will. I mean, God has raised up a young man by the name of Samuel. I don't have time to go through all of that, but how Hannah prayed and, and Eli thought she was drunk and, and, and Eli said, you've tarried too long at the wine. She said, I'm not drunk like that, Eli. Her lips were moving, but nothing was being said. But she was asking God for a man child. And she promised God that she would give him back to God. And God gave her a son and she named him Samuel. And Samuel is being raised there at the temple and at the tabernacle. And he's being raised around the sons of Eli and he, he knows what's going on. It's in chapter number 3 there right, that you'll find that God begins to call upon Samuel. But what you find here, God revealed to Samuel as a young child the compromise of the preacher or the compromise of brother Eli. The Bible said in verse 13, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. Are you hearing me? Eli was the preacher. Eli was the man of God. And he had sons that were living wickedly underneath his own household, if you will, and he did not restrain them. Now, he might have reprimanded them, but he never did restrain them. And God was very angry about what was going on. Compromise of the preacher in chapter 3. Chapter number 4, you have the capture of the precious ark. This is how all of this came about. Now, what you find in chapter number 4, Israel and the Philistines are engaged in battle. And what they do here in verse 2, you find the battle is being fought. And they lose, Israel lose 4,000 men at the very start of this battle. And you know what they did then? After they lost 4,000 men, somebody come up with the idea where well, we ought to go fetch the Ark of the Covenant. You see, it was at the city of Shiloh. And isn't that a lot like Baptists and a lot like a lot of us? We don't all, We don't call on God until we need Him. We don't call on God until there's problems uh, or we're losing the battle some way. Here's the battle, 4,000 men lost. Verse 3, there's the boldness of these people. As you see, there's no need for the ark up till now. But now they say, we better go get the ark and and bring it out of Shiloh. And when that ark came in, verse number 5, the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp. All Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. I mean, they shouted so loud, friend. But I want to tell you something. This was a bragging shout. They was not shouting in the Spirit of God. They were not shouting for the Lord necessarily. But they saw that 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 piece of furniture that represented the presence of God. But what they didn't realize was, oh, they were shouting. And they were making much to do about it. But God's presence was not with the ark. Are you hearing me? And a lot of people are doing a lot of shouting today. uh, And I love good shouting. Uh, I like old-time meetings, uh, but I like it when the presence of God is absolutely real, friend, and it's not something fleshly uh, and worked up and some kind of cheap emotionalism. Now say amen. Uh, I mean, we're we're not after wildfire. Uh, We want the true uh, touch of God Almighty. Now, here they are, and boy, they shout, they shout and begin to holler. And and you know what the Philistines did? They got scared to death. I I mean, they realized what was going on in verse 7. The Philistines were afraid. They said, God is come into the camp. They already knew what God had done to the Egyptians, the Philistines had in verse number 8. And Israel thought, all right, here's our victory now. We've got the ark, we brought the ark of the covenant, and surely God will give us the victory. But in verse number 10, there's the beating of Israel. They lost 30 more thousand men. 30 more thousand were lost in this battle, friend. And if that wasn't enough, this whole thing backfired on them. And in verse number 17, you'll find, you remember, Eli is sitting there. He's some 90 and 8 years old. His eyes were dim, and he could not see. And he's listening about what's going on about the battle. Verse number 17, there was a messenger that answered and said unto Eli, Israel is fled from before the Philistines it's as though he says say on and there have been also a great slaughter among the people I can hear Eli saying say on and my two sons also Hophani and Thienas are dead and that's bad enough and he says say on as it were and the ark of God is taken. Now, friend, it's when he heard those words that the ark of God was taken that in verse 18 it came to pass when he had made mention of the ark of God, that that he fell from off the seat backward, that by the way of the gate, and his neck broke, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now watch it. Did you see what the Bible said? It wasn't about Israel being defeated. It wasn't even on about. It wasn't. It didn't take his heart away from him when he heard that his two sons were dead. But when Eli heard. That the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. It was as though that was more than he could handle. And he fell backward and it broke his neck. At this very time, this whole thing is backfired on Israel. You'll find that in verse 19, Eli's daughter-in-law, Thienas' wife, is with child. She's in labor pain. She begins to give birth. And it was the heartbeat of every Israeli woman, an Israelite woman, to give birth to a man-child. And as she was giving birth, she was also dying. And the Bible said here, they said unto her in verse 20, about the time of her death that uh, the women that stood by her said unto her fear not for thou hast born a son but she answered not neither did she regard it and she named the child Inca bug, saying the glory is departed from Israel you're talking about a horrifying thought friend when they saw that ark that was captured by the Philistines she said in her heart and in her mind the glory of the ark the glory of Israel is departed verse 22 she said The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken." Now I'm coming up to where I want to preach. Uh, the corruption of the priesthood, uh, the compromise of the preacher, the capture of the precious ark. And by the way, when they brought that ark and they begin to shout, Israel did, wait a minute. Nobody repented of their sin. Nobody hey, listen, Eli didn't repent uh, about not restraining his sons. Uh Hoff and, and Phi Enos didn't get on get down on their face uh, and ask God to forgive them for their fornication uh, and their adultery. Uh, no No, sir. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. Revival or the touch of God will not come unless there is a confession of our sins. Now, I'm afraid too many of us, we want God to come down and we want God to bless us and leave us right where he found us. But that's not the way it's going to happen. God's going to, he'll work in our hearts. He'll deal with our sins, our secret sins, our presumption you sins. He'll deal with them if we're going to go further with God and know more about His presence. Amen. Oh, yes. I was in a meeting. I'll just say this in passing last week. And God help you, don't look at my itinerary unless you know where I was. I have to be careful how I say things. I preached my heart out. I fasted all week long. And I preached my heart out. And started out on Monday night. Went through Friday night. And one of the men called me on Thursday and we talked. He said, Brother Buster, I'm sorry. He said this church is used to fifteen minutes of preaching and a forty-five minutes to an hour of singing. He said that preacher just gets up and hoops and hollers and runs around and jumps and jumps the pews. And he said it's a lot of emotionalism. He said that Preacher sitting. What's happened? He said you have preached too much Bible. He said, You have preached too much Bible. Now, you know, that's a sad commentary, friend. And when I'm mean, in a Baptist church that considers itself old time, when a man of God now has to apologize for preaching too much Bible. I tell you, if we wasn't filled up so so much on the world and carnality and if we had more of an appetite for God, it wouldn't bother you to sit around and hear the man of God preach thus saith the Lord. I promise you if it's your football team or your NASCAR driver or if they are in overtime in a football game or triple time, you'd sit there on a cold bleacher and scream and shout till the next morning they'd have to swab your throat from Dan to Beersheba before you could even talk. But let a man of God read too much Bible. Let him preach the saith the Lord. People say that's over my head. I can't handle that amen here's now what happens in chapter number this whole thing's backfired on Israel chapter number five I'm telling you what happens here is the capture and the confusion of the Philistines they captured the ark I'm gonna tell you what happened when they got it they were totally confused friend now I mean I have to be discreet about how I read this passage of Scripture the Bible is very plain the very Bible is a very plain book. I don't mean to be out of order in any way. But in chapter 5, verse 1, the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashnod. They brought it under that principal city called Ashnod. Ashdod was also one of their gods. Ashdod, history gives, was half fish and had the head of a man. And it's there that they bring, well, it's there at Ashdod where their god Dagon was. The Bible said in verse 2, when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it in the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now they put it in there like a trophy. And they're giving their God, Dagon, half fish, half man. They're giving him the glory for the capture of the Ark of Israel. But now they've got it, but they don't know what to do with it. You know what happens? The next morning in verse 3, when they of Ashdod arose early on the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the Ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. I'd sure hate to have a God that you had to pick up and set back up and pick up and set back up. But the presence of Almighty God was there at the Ark of the Covenant and Dagon fell down in worship. They set him back up. You know what happens on the next morning? verse 4 and when they rose up early on the morning following uh, the Bible said behold Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold only the stump of Dagon was left to him I mean their God was broken all to pieces and man they get to th- they get to thinking right here we got to do something with this ark of the covenant." And we've captured this thing, uh, but it's tore our God all to pieces. Uh, and we've got to get this thing out of here. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of churches just like that. They don't really want the real presence of God Almighty. I mean, they don't really want the real touch of God uh, that breathes through uh, and conviction falls uh, and sin begins to become confessed uh, and laid out before God. Oh, no, 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 they don't want that kind of a presence of power of god are you hearing i know what i'm talking about as a revival several years ago in the state of tennessee and on sunday morning and sunday night that preacher came to me and I have to be careful. He has Dr. Jack Hiles. He has a lot of other men in. And he came to me and boy he said we want to make this an annual meeting. Oh he liked that tight old time preaching starting out. Well I was trying to touch people. You have to touch them before you can tan them. You have to touch them before you can teach them anything. And come Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night then it broke out. And about 30 people said they got saved. He was having deacon getting saved, uh, chartered church members getting saved. Uh, They were people that testified. They woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, in two different parts of the county uh, and two people got saved that morning. Uh, They were coming to church confessing sin, uh, pornography, Uh, I mean playboy, hustler, uh, I mean dope. I'm talking about people in the church uh, and all of a sudden uh, the night he shut the meeting down six precious souls got saved uh, and he Said that's enough. It went to the second week. His people came by and said, we don't understand this. This is the greatest move of God we've ever beheld. And the preacher has shut the meeting down. You know what some old timers in that county told me? They said we were, now they were some millionaires in that church. He probably had some people that wasn't accustomed to going the second week and going the second mile. But some of them old timers said we're, they were afraid of what sins were getting ready to be confessed. Amen. Now, when the real presence of God shows up, friend, amen. I mean, it makes a difference now. Now Here, I'm saying, I hear it, Ashdod, they said, let's get rid of it. You know what they do at Ashdod? Uh, They take this thing, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, verse 8, and they sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, what shall we do with the Ark of the God of Israel? They answered, let the Ark of the God of Israel be carried unto Gath. Gath is another one of the five principal cities that that made up the geographical territory of the Philistines. So they took it under Gath. And the Bible said in verse number nine, and the hand of the Lord was against that city. I mean, brother, when they got it at Gath, Gath thought they wanted it. And problems begin to break out literally, they begin, read your Bible, they begin to break out. The only way I can know this and say it discreetly is that uh, preparation H would have been a blessing in those days. Uh, I'm telling you now, God, uh, he began to let some things break out on that crowd. Read your Bible. And then in verse number 10, uh, they of death. They said, we don't want this thing here. We can't handle this. Uh, so the Bible said, therefore they sent the Ark of God to Ekron that was another city they just passed it around and around and around they didn't know what to do with the power and the presence of God Almighty and when they got it to Ekron the same thing happened and in verse number 11 the latter part the Bible said the hand of God was very heavy there and now you see that brings us to chapter number 6 Here, you got the confusion of the Philistines in chapter 5, but they make up their mind. We're getting rid of this thing. We're getting it out of here. We're going to find out if this is really the hand of God. Is this the God of Israel that's plaguing us with these problems, or is this just happened to us by chance? Now, that's what the Bible is saying in verse number 9. That's what it's saying when it said there, when the latter part said it was a chance that happened to us. Now what they're saying is we're going to take this uh, ark of the covenant. We're, we're going to take and we're going to make a a new cart, a brand new cart, and we're going to set the ark of the covenant upon it. And then we're going to take that and tie it to two milk cows, to two that's what it said, milk kind in verse number seven, to two heifers. Two milk cows whereupon they, listen they'd never had anything set upon them they'd never been yoked up to anything all they knew was to be mothers and to give suck to their calves that's all they knew and they said we're going to put this thing on there we're going to take them out of here to the crossroads and Josephus the great Jewish historian said where the Philistines brought it out there there was three different roads they could have went three different ways and they said, We're going to see. Nobody's going to goad them. Nobody's going to punch them. Nobody's going to lead them. Nobody's going to guide them. We're not going to shout at them. We're just going to hook them up and see what they do. And if they go to Beth Shemesh, God has plagued us. But if they just stand here or tear this cart all to pieces and run back to their calves, then this thing has just been a chance. It's just something that's happened to us. So I'm trying to preach tonight on milk cow religion. Amen. Now, you say preachers, but chapter 6 is what it deals with, the cows and their picture. What they picture and portray to us. Now, I thought I'd preaching into a country crowd, that, and I believe all of you can catch this tonight and understand it. Now, watch what begins to happen here. There's some similarities and some comparisons here. In verse number 7, the Bible said, Now, therefore, make a new cart. Take two milk kind on which there hath come no yoke. Tie the kind to of the cart. Bring their calves home from them. Now, what, do you, what, do you, what I see right there, number one is the manner of new beginnings. The manner of new beginning, and this is a picture. Now, listen, don't go out of here and glow me and say, Brother Buster said that these two milk cows were saved. But what's a, There's a picture right here of salvation. There's the manner of new beginning. It's a picture of conversion, friend. I mean, do you see these cows in verse 7 that have never been bound to anything? They've been their own bosses, if you will. They've been the Lord of their own lives. They've grazed where they wanted to. I mean, they were Philistine cows. Remember that? Bear that in your mind. They were Philistine cows raised in Philistine territory. And they had never been bound to a thing. But you know what they did? They took them and they bound them under this new cart on which and bound them upon which no yoke had ever come. They took these two milk cows and put what ought to have been upon oxen or what ought to have been upon the horses or mules and put it around the neck of these two milk cows. Now, I don't know much about milk cows, and I'll be honest. I promise you, you take two jerseys out there. And you take you two heifers out there. And you try to yoke them up to something they've never been yoked up to before. And then take their calves away from them, that sucking. And take them down the barn and tie them up. You getting ready to hear bob wire snap. You getting ready to hear bellering and stomping and kicking and tearing down like you ain't never heard before, friend. Now, these people that I talk to that are farmers and they know uh, about taking the calves away from the cows uh, they said preacher we've stayed up all night sometimes uh, man preacher they said sometimes their mothers will hurt themselves uh, trying to get to them calves uh, trying to right here friend uh, there's a manner of new beginning I mean they just get in there they don't buck they don't jump they don't stomp they don't kick uh, they just let them put the yo upon them and if that's not a picture of salvation I don't know what I'm talking about hey you remember how you used to buck and kick and snort and rebel at everything that was holy and all that was righteous but when you got yoked up with the Savior friend when you got yoked up in the yoke of salvation it was a brand new beginning friend a brand new beginning Amen. I was always my own man. Nobody told me what to do. Nobody tried. Listen, Daddy tried to tell me where to go, but I'd stay out and do the wrong thing. I tell you, when I got saved by the grace of God, I come under new management. I come under new lordship. I forfeited all my rights, and I got yoked up. Yoked up with the Savior. Amen. See here, there's the manner of their new beginning. And they're calves. Listen, they're cows that have never been bound. They're calves. There's a relationship that is broken right here. I mean, they bring their calves from them back to the barn, if you will. Can't you hear them calves a-bellering? Can't you hear them calves hollering? Mama, mama, what's going on? Uh, mama, why are you wearing that yoke? Uh, uh, mama, where are y'all headed? Uh, mama, why don't you come back down here where we are? Oh, they've been a few ask me that since I've got saved. They said, Why don't you come back? See, they used to say he'll be back. They used to say that. When I got saved, uh, you've got to understand where I was. Uh, I was deep in sin. My hair was parted in the middle, laid back over my ears. Uh, Down on my neck, a turquoise necklace, turquoise ring, platform shoes, Uh, bell bottomed breeches in 1976. Uh, Looked like Tiny Tim tiptoeing through the tulips, if you can believe that. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, friend, when I got saved, I come back to work on Monday. I got saved on Sunday, come back to work on Monday. I, I'd gotten three haircuts in one weekend. I was carrying a King James Bible. And said, I've been saved. I've got right with God. And God has called me to preach. And they said, you smoke too much dope. You got some of that dope that was laced with angel dust. And they said, your mind's burnt out you'll be back down here you'll be back to the pool hall you'll be back down here to the dyes there at ut no thank god by the grace of god by the marvelous grace of god i haven't been back i believe they quit looking for me by now friend are you hearing me these calves had never been bound these cows had never been bound and these calves relationship is broken You can kind of imagine this is a new one I'm trying to spring on you tonight. Notice in verse number 8 also here the master is placed on their back. I mean, what happens here in verse 8 in the ark of the Lord? They took the ark of the Lord and laid it upon the cart. I mean, all of a sudden they're yoked up. They're not jumping. They're not pulling the left. They're not pulling to the right. They're just, you know what? The unseen hand of God has just just touched these two cows. You say, preacher, you blow. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The unseen seen hand of God touched Balaam's ass one day. And Balaam's donkey preached a pretty good message. You hear me? Amen. And the hand of God touched a rooster one day. And he preached Simon Peter a pretty powerful message. Amen. Amen. And God prepared a fish, a whale. I mean, that was obedient. And swallowed a backslidden preacher, but he couldn't keep him down. Amen. The three days and three nights had spit him up. Amen. And here the master is placed on their back. I mean, upon that cart is the Ark of the Covenant. I believe them calves and them cows, as it were, they recognized, they realized. I believe God, as it were, whispered unto them and said, I made you. And the ox knoweth its master. And they said, God said, I made you. I don't want you bucking. I don't want you kicking. I don't want you doing nothing but going the straight way. Taken the straight way. Here's the master is placed on their back. Now I wonder about this crowd today that says they're saved, but they want a buck at everything the preacher preaches from the word of God. There's something wrong with that now something wrong with people that say well i i mean preacher i know that was it but that was for paul that was for timothy uh, and and that was back yonder and that's not relevant today Uh, oh you're bucking friend you're bucking you remember what is it over matthew chapter 21 verse 5 through 9 I mean they brought the fold of an ass a little coat whereupon never a man had ever sat Uh, and they brought it to Jesus uh, and Jesus sat down that coat had never been broke Uh, he sat down on the back of that little old donkey I believe he grabbed one ear and pulled it back and said I made you son walk straight don't buck don't kick Uh, I'm your lord and master Uh, and that little donkey just went to walking down through there Uh, they got to waving palm branches Uh, they got to taking their coats off and laying them down in the middle you know what a little mule would have done it would have kicked your brains out it would have stalked and a run but that little old thing just went walking right down through there you know why the Lord was sitting on his back I want to say this in conversion and salvation when the Lord of glory sits down and saves a sinner there's a definite change friend. your rebellion is broken Broken. That's exactly right. I know you're not I know you're not everything you ought to be. I know you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Uh, It's not even new converts I'm having problems with. Uh, It's this crowd been saved twenty-five and thirty and forty years. That wanna bucket what the word of God says. Amen. Amen. So you see, here's their masters placed on their back. Uh, And then there's the meekness of their behavior. And this is a picture. Now, that one about the master placed on their back is a picture of their consecration. But the meekness of their behavior in verse 10 is a picture of their character. Did you notice how their behavior is here? And the men did so in verse number 10. And took two milk kine and tied them. The Bible said to the cart and shut up their calves at home. I mean, they're just standing there meek and mild. Their very behavior, their, their very nature, as it were, has been changed right here. You know what their natural inkling should have been? You know what their natural uh, instinct should have been? Tear the cart all to pieces, uh, break out of this yoke, uh, and run back down to the barn where the calves are. No, see, there's, there's been a change. here. Amen. And so you see the meekness of their behavior. What you've got here, their calves are separated. The cart is secure. They're pulling a weight they've never pulled before. And that's what happens when you get saved, friend. You get in the yoke with the Lord. I like what he said. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's right. Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden. I will give you rest. Uh, I mean, we we thought we had rest in the world. Uh, We thought we were having a good time out there. Uh, But the devil was greasing the skids under us uh, and skidding us right off into hell. Calves have been separated. The the cart is secure and their course is set. They've never been this way before. They've never been... It's eight to nine miles, history gives, from where they were at there at Ekron all the way to Beth Shemesh. Eight to They never, their course has been set. Then you'll see something else, but it's Christ that's steering them. It's as though it's the Lord that's steering them. You remember when you got saved, there was a separation. I mean, even from some of your own family. Some of your own kids don't understand you, mothers and dads. I mean, when you got some of us, when we got saved, our own family didn't understand us and almost disowned us. I mean, there's the separation. And when we got saved, we got secured. and, And the ark there, the presence of God, and the course is set. We're headed to Beth Shemesh. By the way, let me tell you what Beth Shemesh means. It means the house of the sun. How about that? The house of the sun. I like that, friend. Hallelujah. That's our final destination. We're headed to the house of the sun. Not the S U N, but the S O N. And then you see, but it's Christ that's steering. See the meekness of their behavior. They're different. They're different. Christ makes a difference when he comes into the life of a sinner. Can you tell me this? What is it? What is it that takes a an an old? uh, What is it that takes a wife beater and and pardon the expression, but a hell raiser? And what is it that takes somebody an old and and curses filthy and and vile? And what is it that take a man like that uh, and change him? And put him in church and make him meek and mild and make him love the word of God and bypass all the bars and bypass all the houses of real repute. ill repute. i tell you what it is. It's when the master sets down in conversion, friend. He makes a change. It always has and it always will. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Amen. Amen. So you see the meekness of their behavior, picture of their character. And their movement toward Beth's here. Here's the picture of their course. Now they've never pulled a cart before. They've never been separated from their calves. I mean the Philistines are standing there and they're watching them now. They've got them hooked up. I can hear one of the Philistines say to the other, I ain't even seen Betsy. I ain't even seen her flinch. And Bossy never has wiggled her tail, and they're not even pulling in opposite directions. And it looks like they just looks like somebody's got their hand on them, and they're just standing there. And all of a sudden, in step, they begin to step out. Now, there's three ways there. Remember, three ways. And they could have went either way. But I believe it was the unseen hand of God that led them to choose what the Bible said here is the straight way. Look at verse 12. And the kind took the straight way. They took the straight way to Best Shemesh. The straight way. You know what that word straight means right there? They tell us it means the right way. The prosperous way. The pleasant way. The upright way. Amen. That's the straight way. The narrow way of salvation, friend. Hey, don't come to me and you say, but Brother Buster, it's too narrow. Salvation's too narrow. No, I tell you, it's lying. Right. It's prosperous. It's the pleasant way. It's the upright way. And if you're saved, my grace, you're on the straight and the narrow way. Brother Sammy Allen said it's so straight, he'd never seen nobody coming back on it. He said it was so hemmed up and so narrow, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. He said, I've never met anybody coming back on the straight way. Everybody's headed toward Beth Shemesh, the house of the sun. That's saved by the grace of God, they are. Now, if you may, you may get off the beaten track and you may stray from the straight way, but I promise you, you, you won't enjoy that. Now, look here, God didn't, and I don't care what you believe, God did not make it where you would never sin, but He sure did make it where you would never enjoy sinning again. Are you hearing me? That old nature's not been eradicated. I don't care what anybody says. I wish to God that it had. I wish to God that it was eradicated. But that old fleshly nature, that old man sometimes still screams and still hollers and I'm prone to leave the God I serve. And you are too. But no child of God enjoys. No sir, friends. Now you let a sheep fall off into a mud hole, she thinks a hog will enjoy that. A hog will wall in that and squeal like it's heaven. It's not a sheep. Not a sheep. It's not the sheep's nature to enjoy the muck in the mind. Amen. So you see as they're headed toward Beth, she messed the movement. It's a strange way. These were Philistine cows from Mecron. They'd never been yoked up to anything. They'd been, never been separated from their calves but they're standing there and they're headed out now. Headed out. And the Philistines are behind them. They watch them and they go off. They're, it's not that you are crowding them and making them go. They're standing off watching this thing. And they go all the way to the border of Beth Shemesh, if you'll read this. The Philistines followed these kind all the way to the border of Beth Shemesh. See, they were looking. They chose the straight way. Now I promise you, there's some people watching you. There's some people where you work, There's some people on your job, in your community, in your neighborhood. There's some people even in your church that's watching you to see if you're going the straight way. And when you get on the straight way, guess what you like? You like straight preaching. You like straight preaching. You like old-time preaching, old-time praying, old-time praising, old-time singing. You like it straight, straight, amen, on the straight way. And then I say it was the spiritual way. I can almost hear these two little cows down there. And you know, they they, they low. The Bible said they were lowing as they were going. But they low. They moo. I believe animals have a language that they can communicate each other with. You know, I can almost hear one of them say to the other, "Bessie, how do you feel? she says, Vossie, I'm going to tell you something. Ever since they put that yoke on me, and ever since that, cart was put back there, and when they put that Ark of the Covenant, that piece of furniture on the back of us, I have felt like a different creature. And I hear the other one say, I feel the same way. Don't you feel new since you saved you? I didn't understand everything that happened when I got saved. All I knew really was, I was I'd was i been raised in church. I was a preacher's son. I used to argue premillennial doctrine before I ever even got saved. I knew a little bit about that, but I didn't understand everything. I didn't understand all about salvation as Far as the technical aspects. And, and, and listen, I mean, all this sanctification and, and future glorification. I did, and you didn't understand. Some of you didn't even know how long you saved for when you got saved. It was a while before you found out you even had eternal security. And it'll be a blessed day when the rest of you find out you got eternal security. <laughs> the only thing better than being saved is to know how long you saved for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just had to say that it popped out. I mean, I'm sorry if it offended you. I, you said, that's Baptist doctrine. I beg to dismiss you. That's Bible doctrine. I mean, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, should not perish, but have, have present His, have everlasting life. I'm not going to get it. I already have it. That is the day I got saved. Amen. Why the Bible teaches we come out of services sometimes we'll say, Man, what not we made to set in heavenly places? You was made to set in heavenly places the very day you got saved. I mean one preacher said, When you get down, don't bother to look up. He said, When you get down, look down, because you're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <laughs> for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Now if you're saved by the grace of God tonight, you're dead to the world for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You're in Christ. You're in God. Would you pray, tell me how the devil could get you unsaved. Why, he'd have to come through Christ. Uh, he'd have to come through God. Uh, he'd have to break the blood covenant. Uh, he'd have to break the seal of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and by that time, he'd be a
1: savior. Three
0: ways to get into the family of God. You see, I thought there's only one. There's three ways to get into a natural family. You get birthed into it. I got birthed into speaking family. I could adopt a child into the seed family. And then my wife married into the seed family. Three ways to get in a natural family. Same three ways you get in a spiritual family. You get in the family of God by birth, the new birth. Amen. But also, not only that, not only was you birthed in the family of God, but you were adopted. Amen. We were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Just explain that. I don't know how to explain it. Don't know how to explain it. I'm just enjoying it. Thank God. All I knew was I was on my way to hell. I, and going there without God under conviction. Thought I was gonna go the next moment. But then I got saved and later on found out I'd been adopted. Amen. And
1: then
0: we're gonna get married. See, we're engaged. <laughs> we are the bride and he's the groom, friend. I kind of like this myself. I mean, I think this, this time big, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about we're headed toward Shemesh the house of the sun, and the Philistines are behind us, and they're watching us. They're watching our every move. But these old milk kind, I'm telling you, they didn't pull the right, they didn't pull the left, they didn't buck, they didn't stomp. They just marched right on the straight way. To the house of the
1: sun.
0: The best. Their movement toward best. By the way, when you get saved, you'll be moving toward the house of the sun. And not only just the house of the sun that he's going to prepare for us. But I believe when you get saved, God deliver us from these people that say they get saved and have no need for the local New Testament church. God help us. I mean, God help us from all these evangelistic crusades uh, and all these big meetings we say we're having, and hundreds and hundreds and yea, thousands say they get saved, uh, and there's no additions to the local New Testament. Now, I'll just say what Doctor Ed Maccabee said. Don't get mad. Don't get mad at me now. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Doctor Ed Maccabee. Doctor Ed Maccabee said, "I challenge anybody to show me one unbaptized convert after Pentecost." Show me one unbaptized convert. Then he said, show me one unchurched convert after Pentecost. He said, "Preacher, I just got to you better, now it's not, listen, it's not going to add to your salvation, but you better get in a good local New Testament Bible believing. Amen. Amen. I don't know how it is in Brevard and around these portions of North Carolina, but I know how it is in East Tennessee. we got some folks over there that are so spiritual, so spiritual, they just have little home meetings, Bible studies. They don't need a pastor. They don't need pastoral authority. and And they just have the little home meetings, you know. And then we've got some that they, they listen. They've been a member of every church in the county. God bless them. I mean, they've been a member of every church. And listen, back oh howdy, it's true. But back home, preachers are not fishers of men, but they're keepers of aquariums. I'll swap you two guppies for two bass, and I'll swap you a largemouth bass for a smallmouth bass. Dr. Percy Ray was preaching. Dr. Percy Ray was preaching the meeting over there that I preached in many, many times over there in High Point, North Carolina, the High Point camp Meeting. I've Dr. Paul Sparks and Brother Buddy Fox and those men have been moderators of that meeting for years. And They have stepped down younger men have come in now. But listen to me, Dr. Percy, they used to run 1,200, 1,400, and people would gather from everywhere, set up that open-air tabernacle. And Dr. Percy Ray come in there and preached, and God blessed. But he told those men of God privately, he said, you'll do well, men of God. He said, this meeting will go well until you start swapping each other's church members. And when you start swapping each other's church members, and start taking each other's church members in, you'll find this camp will fall all to camp. Yes, Anybody else notice how quiet this guy? got? Amen. 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 I'm going to tell you something. That's what I believe. My brother's a pastor, and I've taught him this. He's 12 years younger than me. I'll teach him what I want to teach him. He's 12 years younger than me. <laughs> pastor in Ball Road, Independent Baptist Church in Knoxville. He pastors Ball Road Baptist Church. I told him, so I said, son, when people come visiting you and I said they want to join from another church, I said, you call their pastor. You find out if they're leaving on good standing. Is they a problem? I'm gonna tell you, if they're a hellraiser over there, there'll be a hellraiser where you're pastor. You hear me? I'll just tell you like Brother Andy Hogan said, he's dead and in heaven now, brother Andy Hogan. He said, listen, he said these church members that are here, at church, there, church, church, church hop, church hop, 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 hop. hop. He said, they're like an egg-sucking dog. He said, an egg-sucking dog. You all know what I'm talking about, you old-timers. You might as well take a shotgun and blow his brains out. He'll be an egg-sucking dog the day he dies if he ever gets a sucking eggs. And listen, old brother Andy Hogan said, I'd rather have a whorehopper as a church hopper. He said, there is hope that you might get a whorehopper converted. But he said, a church hopper. He said, you might as well shoot them and tell God they died of the chicken pox and send them on to glory or wherever they're going. Some of you are laughing and some of you are friends. Some of you look like you've been a member in every church in Bavar.
1: I don't even know your first name. Get your head up. It
0: ain't time to pray.
1: It's
0: a shame the way people are treating the local church.
1: Right.
0: Say more there, but I say we've been move on. We need the movement toward best match. This is the picture of their course. Would you look at something else here in verse 12 that's seen and pictured here? The Bible said they were lowing as they went. Now they're tied. Look at this. They're yoked up. They've never been yoked up before. They're headed in a direction they've never been in all their lives. You remember when you got saved, start out in a new direction? And I'm telling you, that new course, that, that, that new strange way you were headed in, the straight way, and it's the spiritual way. But you see, as they went, they, the Bible said they went lowing, lowing. And what's implied here is bellowing, bellowing out, just, just be- mooing out. And you know what I believe it was? I believe this is their burden for those that were still in the star. I mean, they, it's, as though, it's as though they were changed. There's there's a new mastery sitting on top of them. Uh, uh, they're under new management, but their calves are still back at the barn. Uh, and, and it's as though they're burdened. They're, they're, I, I can almost see it in my mind. I'm reading between the lines. In uh, sin, it is the type of a child of God that uh, when we get saved, we're headed toward the house of the sun uh, the straighten the narrow way. Uh, but we cry out uh, for those that are still in the barn, uh, for those that are still in Philistine territory, uh, for those calves, uh, those young'uns, uh, those grand' youngins that are still down
1: there, Amen.
0: still down there. And if you're a mom or a dad that's got children that's lost or a grandparent, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Loved ones that we'd like to get, to get saved. There's a message that they're bellowing. A picture are the crying, they're a burden for those who get lost. They're bellowing for those that are in sin, for this sin captivity. They're broken, yes, they're broken, but they're still serving. They're broken, but they're still serving. They're carrying the heavy load of the ark, uh, and they keep looking straight ahead. But uh, as they're going, they've not forgot about those. Not about that. We're going to have a good time this week, Lord willing. Have you a lot of good singing? We pray that God will send the necessary money that's in for this radio station, for this ministry. But God, I'm telling you, God's working in my heart, refreshing in you, that about lost and sinners. That's the whole reason for this thing. It's the whole reason. It's the whole reason for the whole church. I, I mean to reach out, to reach out, carry out the great commission and evangelize and to teach and, and evangelize and to send out and go. That's the whole thing. Amen. I mean some of these churches and They call themselves missionary churches now to call themselves stationary churches. Call themselves missionary Baptists don't even support a missionary. Wouldn't know what one was if they saw one walk in the door. Call themselves missionary
1: baptist.
0: Amen. You're welcome. God help us. Hey, can you think of anybody in your family that's back there in Philippine territory? Can you think about anybody still back there? Back there who like a cat in the barn that you love, you're separated from because you're going this way? I remember those days when I was saved and I was praying for my brother to get saved. He was in that barn. He was in that stall. Now, you used to, now I had to make a confession here. When I first got saved and started preaching, I was hard on my brother. My brother was 13 and he began to grow up and he, I saw rock music and things. He let his hair grow out. I began to preach to him. I mean push him further and further away from me. I began to harp on him and I began to just badger him and just, just push on him and press on him and all I was doing was driving a wedge between me and him.
1: Amen. I
0: want to tell you this. Nobody, nobody cares how much you know so they know how much you care. Don't never forget that. Nobody even cares. Nobody cares how much you know. So they know how much you can. Amen. And finally one day in Florida, after fasting for about 12 days, God broke my heart. I've been praying for that revival, two different meetings. And coming up the road, I was praying for my brother. Praying for my brother. And it's as though the Spirit of God puts it to my heart and said, you go home and tell him you're through talking to him about us. And you're going to start talking more to us about him. His old beard that was out there so big, his hair, you couldn't have got it under a bushel basket afro. I mean, low-riding Silverado, all of that old Hank Williams. I mean, Willie Nelson, Wilde, music, liquor, and dope. I just, I mean, addicted to gambling. My brother had two major surgeries on his body that were unnecessary so he could claim insurance money because he was owed debt to bookies. That's how deep my brother was in bondage. Amen. And I got home and told him that. And I come to him and I got him by the old shoulder there at mom's house and I said, son, I'm still preaching to you. I won't tell you I love you. God broke my heart in front of him and we don't cry much. I don't, it's just not made up like that. Boy, I saw an old tear run down that old baby cheek. I said, son, I'm going to be playing more for you now than I've ever played for in my life. I said, bo, I want you to no, know. I called him bo. I said, I love you. I love you, son. And I said, dad's in heaven. Mom's going to heaven. And I said, me and Barb, we're going this way, the best man, as you were. And I said, son, we'd like you to go with us. And I said, whether you go or not, son, I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going with God. I'm going with God. I thought, his ear come down. Boy, turned away. You know, they won't mistake him. weeping. He walked out of the house. <laughs> Wasn't long after that. But God got him.
1: Yeah,
0: God got him who stayed in that Silverado pickup truck on the way to my house. Headlights pulled up in the yard. Oh, it was in the wintertime in, in December. My wife said, that's your brother. She said he's screaming and the headlights were on and my, my kids went to running through the house and he burst through the door, had his hands up in the air and I couldn't understand what he was saying. I thought, oh my God, there's been a shooting, there's been a killing and somebody's after him and he come in and fell down in the floor and he had his hands up and he said, I've gone as far as I can go. I've gone as far as I can go. And my wife ran in the back bedroom to call my mom up the road. I said, "Son, what?" He said, "I want to get saved. I want to make this thing right. Let's get it settled." Down on our face we went. We prayed. We cried. He is laying prostrate on the ground. And when we got up, I said, "What about it, son?" He said, "We're too late." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I believe the Lord just saved me while I was going that pickup truck." He said, "I believe the Lord saved me when I turned around and headed this way." And my mama was standing out on the front porch. The light was zone. And there went my son running up through those two yards. And the prodigal son came home to mama, friend. Thank God. Hey, just keep a lowing as you're going. Keep a praying. Keep a weeping for those back there in the stall. The Spirit of God knows how to lay hold on. Low on as they're going. Low the message that they were bellowing, And then there's the mastery of backward syndication. Verse number 12, this is the picture of their contentment. They turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Do <laughs> you see that? I mean, it, that, that's a natural, it's a natural thing here that they should have turned around. I, I, I mean, maternal instinct, if you will. I, I, I mean, their, 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 their own nature, their own makeup, that they should have turned around and went back. But I'm telling you to the amazement of the Philistines, they went straight. The best he
1: met.
0: You know what? I believe those Philistines said, they has been a change I believe they said their character is even different. I tell you, their course, they were three ways, man. and they didn't choose the left of them. They went the straight way. That led straight to the best he met. You know, there's the amazement of the Philistines. And then there in verse 14, there's the arrival of the cows and the cart. They arrived. And the cart came into the field. It came into the field now, into the border. It crossed over the border. <laughs> Didn't stop the border. How about that? Didn't stop at the border. And and the Israelites come out there and met them, but and the Israelites wasn't even paying much attention. They were laboring out there, but here comes these cows, and all of a sudden they get in there. And the Bible said, and the cart came in the field of Joshua, a Bessymite, and stood there, and it's pulled up and parked. By the way, you notice that name, Joshua? I didn't see that, but of these are just today. I ain't preached this, but I think I tried to see one time and I don't know if I'm doing any good tonight or not. But I, I mean, this is all new to me. And I've just seen all this. I'm telling you, they got into the field of
1: Joshua.
0: Now, he said, what's important about that? Joshua's name just means that Jehovah is Savior. It just is the New Testament equivalent. Hey, that's the Hebrew word for the New Testament. Jesus! Jesus! Praise God, they made it all the way to the house of the Son and got in the field of Joshua. Amen, brethren. They made it all the way into the presence
1: of the Lord. Amen.
0: You know what we're going to do one day? We're going to make it all the way in. We it or saved by grace. Oh, sure, there's a heavy load to carry. There's some heartaches. There's disappointments. There's bumps in the road. There's a lot of things that happen. But I'm telling you, as we keep on going, we're headed to the house of the mastery over backwardness, the contentment. And last but not least, in verse fourteen, the Bible said in verse number fourteen, the scripture said in where there was a great stone. That's where they came up to. It's there in the field of Joshua. And there's a great big stone there. They stopped right in front of that stone. And you say, preacher, what's getting ready to happen? The Bible said, and they clave, that is the Israelites, that is Joshua, and the Israelites, they clave the wood of the ark. And the Bible said, offered the kind of burnt offering unto the Lord. Here's the measure of their burnt sacrifice. Are you hearing me? Here's the measure of their burnt sacrifice for their consumption. They were willing to be consumed for the glory of God. Well, God got a hold of my heart yesterday. I was reading this and studying through this, and I heard someone say this, the measure of a real Christian is measured by their sacrificial living. The measure of a Christian is measured by their sacrifice. By their sacrifice. You hear me? That, that, That statement got a hold of me. The measure of a real Christian is the measure of their sacrifice. What I'm talking about here is what the old timers used to say. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice, laid? Is your all on the altar? See, even now, even though I'm saved and been on this way for 25 years and been trying to preach almost a quarter of a century now, uh, and I'm talking about headed toward best you match, the house of the sun, uh, that there's sometimes I want to reach back and say, well, haven't I given enough? Haven't I went enough? Hey, haven't I done enough? But Jesus went all of the way, all of the way. What's it all about? Paul said, willing to stand and be spent for the glory of God. Amen. I'm sure sometimes these pastors think, I've preached and preached and preached and preached for the buster of my flock, and they seem like they don't care. I've preached and preached, and I've been on the mission field for the buster. I've done this. I've done that. I work here at WGCR, and sometimes I, nobody recognizes the thing I do. And, preacher, I've sacrificed my job, and I've done this. I've done that. I give. I give. I do. I do. I do. But wait a minute. He gave it all, friends. He gave it all. And They were willing to become a burnt sacrifice. It speaks of their consumption. I believe there's a little message in this thing about these milk cows. Have you had a new beginning? Have you been saved by the grace of God? Have you been yoked up to the cart of salvation? There, is there a lowing as you're going tonight I mean have we forgotten about those that are back there in the stall may God help us in this meeting and may God help us to sacrifice may God help us to continue to sacrifice I thought about the meeting and the needs of the meeting that are multiplicity and, and then the radio needs the people that will be sitting out there listening day in and day out and, and as people here give their lives in singing and preaching but there's such a need. Such a need. There's such a need for this ministry to continue on, ladies and gentlemen. And I appreciate that this has been the greatest night as far as the offering coming in. And it's been the best night of singing and poorest night of preaching, I do say. So listen to me. May God help us to really sacrifice. I promise you, once we see Him, one glimpse of Him in His glory as body. One glimpse of him and the wounds in his hand. I'm talking about as it were. I believe it'll be one second we can see him as he were as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It's as though the next second we can see him in his glorified condition. But we're going to realize the price that was paid for our salvation. You know what we're all going to wish? We're going to wish 10 million worlds we would have given more and done more in the glory of God. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor Barton's coming. Give the invitation. God help us to be lowing as we're going, sir. God help us tonight. God spoke to your heart in any way. I know there's a crowd here tonight, the best crowd, the large crowd. All of you pastors, thank you for coming. I trust in some way God spoke to your heart. May the Lord help us now and be obedient to the Holy Ghost.